guys get ready for disease x hey folks how you doing welcome to the program hey do me a favor i know you want to give the system the middle finger will you please raise that one finger and will you share this program right now we're going to be talking icky slimy make your skin crawl kind of itchy disease it has everything to do everything to do with where we are in today's society, everything to do with where we are in today's society right now. Because if you thought it was bad when we got that pandemic, I'm going to pull back the veil and I'm going to show you how a lot of this stuff works. You're going to want to lift a finger and share the program. This is the only way we fight socialist media. Raise a finger Share the program, get it out there because your family and friends need to know and understand what's going on and, and what you have to be prepared for. Today's program is brought to you by the fine folks at Gold Co. This is one of the things you need to be prepared for because as we go through this particular program, and by the way, once I'm done, I'll jump over to Locals. We'll have a chat there. So make sure you follow me on my Locals. In, in case uh, you're new and don't know what Locals is, Locals is where I can drop you uh, PDFs, private files, etc. Stuff that you're not going to be able to find online, I will use my Locals for. Now, it's just like any other social media, folks. It's just like any other social media. If you're on Rumble right now, I'll give you an example. If you're on Rumble, you'll see a little red oval button that says join. Click that button, and that will allow you to join my locals. People are putting the link across the various platforms right now. You can join my locals, and there's two ways to join. It's just like any other social media, folks. It's, it's just like any other social media. Right. You got absolutely free social media. Follow me there. And then you got the exclusive stuff that I do for you behind the scenes. That's just for you as a supporter. If you decide you want to become a supporter, that's entirely up to you. But what it does is it gives me the opportunity to share with you things 
that you might not know about elsewhere. So when I jump from today's program, I'm headed over to Locals. We're just going to have a more candid discussion there. But today's program is brought to you by Gold Co. And you know all of these guys, every one of them, they control us. They push us. They do it under the radar. They're going to force us into their plan. Well, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we're going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Every time I hear that, I cringe. And I cringe because, you know, it's true. And they do it with our own money. It's horrible, but they do it with our own monies. You know, I want to be clear to everyone listening right now. When I talk about these things, and today, especially I'm going to be talking about this disease X, I know it can be scary. But it does not matter what I talk about. You have to understand these scary things can potentially affect you directly. See, one way or another, whatever happens to this country will affect you and someone you know. But what you do about it is up to you. That's your business. So if you're a cautious kind, wanting to be prepared just in case, here's an idea. You might make sense to diversify your money with precious metals. That's why I partnered with Gold Co., because I believe this could be the best way to help. So when you go to jobonlovesgold.com, you're going to get your free gold and silver kit from Gold Co., which shows you how to get into precious metals tax-free and penalty-free, even if your money's still in a retirement account like an IRA or a 401k. Oh, by the way, you might immediately qualify for $10,000 in free silver. You've seen the writing on the wall. Go to jovanlovesgold.com. Get your free gold and silver kit because it's about taking back control of your privacy, of your freedom. Now, I can't predict the future, but I can certainly prepare for it. And you should be prepared to, at the very least, you should be educated about your choices. So take action. Defend your freedom, your privacy, your future. Go to jovanlovesgold.com and get your free, absolutely free, 2024 gold and silver kit so you can at least know how to prepare. That's it. At least know how to prepare. It's not just simple education, not multi-level crap or anything like that. Just simple education from the top leaders in the field. Right? And... You should be prepared. A few other things to be uh, prepared about that you have to understand is one, because today we're going to be talking about disease X, I want to talk to you about your health. And one of the health components of my program are the fine people that fill the greens. In fact, if you want to talk to people that use this product, talk to them in chat. The folks that fill the greens have been with me for a long time. See, fill the greens is the healthiest thing I do every day. It's, it's a core part of my life. Shake it up, go some water, boom. Every single day I do fill the greens. It's one of the things that keeps me going. Literally one scoop a day tastes great. I like the berry flavors. They're all the lemon lime flavors, you name it. They've got great flavors. But it's nutrition the way nature intended. Here's what I've noticed. And you, first you got to understand, now just be very candid with you. You know all that weight you're carrying around? If it's not coming out of your body, you know what I mean? It's not coming out of your body. <laughs> it's not coming off your body, right? It, it's just, you just got to understand it. And if you're not eating the right fruits and vegetables, you're kind of all gummed up, whether you like it or not. That's all that Phil the Greens is, is the right 
fruits and vegetables in a powder. You just drink it. I find that I have more energy. I think I'm sleeping better. My, my skin and my hair feel and look better. It helps with my digestion. I feel better overall. See, Phil the Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Phil the Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you're going to love this product. But for any reason you don't, they'll give you a money back, money back guarantee. Very easy, right? So I've got you 15% off your first order and free rush shipping. Visit fillthegreens.com and use promo code Jovan. That's promo code Jovan at fillthegreens.com, fillthegreens.com. It's one of those that just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. Now, this next one, I want you to pay attention to because it has a lot to do with what I'm going to talk about today. It really does. I want you to pay attention to the fine folks that are out there at the wellness company. Now, what we're going to talk about right now, right, is, is, is when you're on the go, maybe when you're traveling. You know, I've spent a lot of time in hostile environments, deserts, the Arctic, you name it, right? And you've got to be prepared everywhere you go. So here's a little bit of preparation, especially when it looks like the government wants all of us to suffer. Pay attention, pay attention before I get into the program, by the way. You can never be too prepared. You have to understand that. So let's just say if you're a frequent traveler, maybe you're a remote worker, maybe you're an avid outdoorsman like me, or just anybody with a pulse. I want to tell you about what's called the Wellness Company's Travel Emergency Kit. Now, of course, I got you a discount, but I want to show you something different. They have a travel emergency kit. It contains key medical items you need, six prescription medications and over-the-counter meds, a comprehensive guidebook and critical medical supplies, all carefully curated so you get to enjoy every moment of your trip. I'm recommending this no matter where you are. If you're just, if you're on the road, uh, if you're out, if you're a hunter, uh, if you want to make sure you take care of your home and your family, or you know what, if you're a prepper, you've got to have this. What they did is with a team of renowned medical professionals, including Dr. Peter McCullough, you've heard him, and, and Dr. Drew Pinsky standing behind every kit, you know that you're in trusted hands no matter where your life takes you. Now, don't leave anything to chance. Got it? Don't leave anything to chance. Head on over to twc.health forward slash Jovan. Jovan, your key code. twc.health forward slash Jovan and order your travel emergency kit today. That's twchealth forward slash Jovan. Use promo code Jovan. Promo code, Jovan, because these guys have this prepared and you should be prepared. Order your travel emergency kit. That's twc.health forward slash Jovan. Use promo code Jovan for an exclusive 10% off at checkout. Your health matters. Your journey matters. Travel smart, travel prepared. And by the way, if you think our government is comprised of rat bastards, then... You might prepare. And by the way, they'll walk you through it. Some of the things you need a prescription for, they'll do that for you. Right when you go over to the site, pick up the phone, you'll get a hotline. Very easy to do. 
Very, very, very easy to do. Look, folks, go check out twc.health forward slash Devon. Save 10% at checkout. And you might seriously think about it today when you understand what we're about to cover. It's going to be scary, but I'm, I'm going to bring it very simply down so you understand everything that's going on that these rat bastards have planned for us. Let's get started to share this program right now, folks. Cut the crap. How many times a day do you want to say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media, and the gender-confused, emotional socialist snowflake crowd? Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive mental enema, freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views, which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking. Your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. He's known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap. You've seen him on virtually every television network and listened to him on Coast to Coast Radio. And now he's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Now, here's your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. Hey there, folks. Welcome to the program, Cut the Crap. Crap is merely an acronym, right? Culture, race, and American politics. By the way, if you're ever wondering where my channel is, you want to turn your friends on to it, it's very simple. It's just rumble.com forward slash Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. That's all you've got to remember is my name. Rumble.com, Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Listen, in today's crap, culture, race, and American politics, we're going to be talking about disease X. You may have heard about this. I cover it different than most people. A lot of people are just headline readers. I'm not. But you know when disease, disease X, the WHO said, it's a matter of when, not if. It's a new pathogen we don't even know about yet. Is that even possible? We're going to fight a new pathogen that we don't even know about yet. Okay. The first question you may ask yourself is, one, is this real? And two, are we in trouble? Three, what should we do about it, right? Okay, what should we do about it? So I want to help you understand a few things, but I want to give you a few pieces before we get started, because it's very, very, very important to what I'm going to talk to you about today. When you look at me, don't look at me as a podcaster or a vlogger or whatever. I, I tend to stay in my lane as to what my professional expertise is. And you'll know me if you've ever been into any of my programs and somebody asks about somebody else's body of work and I don't know or haven't researched. I'll tell you, I have no idea. Now, for today's program, I'm going to give you a heads up on a few things so you understand where I come from. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patents. <laughs> I made a joke the other day because somebody says, he doesn't have any patents. And I said, well, who in the hell spends these millions and millions of dollars to do patents in my names? Let me show you a little bit of my work in the medical 
field, primarily dealing with pathogens, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, I literally work very deeply in the field of diagnostic test. This one's a system system and method for visual trigger and performing a diagnostic test. You don't have to get caught up in the headlines or anything, right? So there's one. Uh, Here's another one called communication loop and record loop system, record loop system for parallel and serial dual microfluidic uh, fluidic chips. It's it's kind of a new way to do some of these tests. It promises to be very uh, revolutionary. Um, how about an artificial intelligence response system based on testing with parallel and serial, uh, serial dual microfluidic chips? Yes, I've got, I don't know, two dozen artificial intelligence patents. And so I work in this field, system and method, for immediate health assessment response systems. This is a part of my life. And yes, I'm in the biotech world. Method for repurposing NDC codes and pharmaceutical database for allergens, or even working down to the DNA profiling therapeutic treatment kits for allergens based on DNA of a patient. I have to live in this world. And Living in this world, it's part of why I can write so fast or do so many patents or read so much, is I'm literally reading thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of other people's research all the time. And it's based on that research that I'm able to understand uh, what's happening, how, how does all this stuff work? Where is this going? Now, today we're going to be talking about this thing called Disease X. Now, you might have heard some rumbling about it. And some people are saying, this is the next pandemic. I want you to know, I do 100%, 100% agree that what happened, and I'm going to prove it to you today. You're going to see stuff you probably haven't seen before. By the way, hit that share button right now about this pandemic stuff. So here's kind of what has everybody a buzz from the who. Who, 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 not that who, this who. The painful lessons we learned are in danger of being forgotten as attention turns to many other crises confronting our world. But If we fail to learn those lessons, we will pay dearly next time. And there will be a next time. History teaches us that the next pandemic is a matter of when, not if. It may be caused by an influenza virus or a new coronavirus, or it may be caused by a new pathogen we don't even know about yet, or what we call disease X. There has been a lot of attention on disease X, especially recently. But in fact, it's not a new thing. We first used the term disease X in 2018. It was just the same time I spoke here in this government site uh, summit in 2018. And we used disease X as a placeholder for a disease we don't even know about yet, but for which we can nonetheless prepare. 
COVID-19 was a disease X, a new pathogen causing a new disease. But there will be another disease X, or a disease Y, or a disease Z. And as things stand, the world remains unprepared for the next disease X and the next pandemic. Disease X basically says disease X. Again, I want to remind you where I'm, I'm headed today. The commentary I'm going to give you comes from my several hundred millions of dollars of work in the biofield. This is stuff I've had to live with for years. It's been 10 years now. Imagining every disease state to test for it, not to vaccinate for it or anything like that, to understand allergies and diagnostic systems and immune states, etc. Some people say I'm bragging. No. And yes, I have tons of, you know, artificial intelligence, nanotech work, etc. So I'm not the guy that's going to save the world, although it was the Gateway Pundit who dubbed me the man who will save America. They were talking about it. This I made a comment when I was just talking in Georgia. Many of you might have come in contact with me the first time when there was a Senate Committee on Election Integrity put together in Georgia. So it was pretty, it was pretty um, significant. They just wanted to understand what happened. Generic banner election integrity had nothing to do specifically with the poll pads, although a lot of you saw that we were able to see the poll pads. But the Georgia Senate had put together a committee on election integrity. And so by invitation, I came in. And one of the things I said, this isn't the beating of a drum when I'm sounding the warning. This is the burning of the city. And that's why Gateway Pundit dubbed me the man who will save America. In fact, I wrote several articles about this. But that's when many of you were exposed to me for the first time. I'm going to call it like it is no matter what. I'm going to show you the facts behind it because I'm going to treat you like an adult in the room. It's just that simple. You don't need people to tell you what's going on. You don't need people to just regurgitate headlines for you. The only thing that's going to save us is truth, right? Now, you, you may think it's kind of arrogant. The man who will save America. I didn't do that, right? That's what somebody else dubbed me. But I can tell you, you want to know who's going to save America? You. You. You are. You're the one that's going to save yourself. You are the one that is going to save yourself from this system. But first, let's just kind of go back a little history, history part. We're going to talk more about disease X. But first, you know this system wags us. You know it. I know it. You know the system tries to force stuff on us. You know it. I know it. Here's the rest of the story. Barely a week goes by, but what some researcher tries to scare us or trick us 
out of research money by claiming that the sky is falling. And with the willing complicity of headline-hungry media, a recent crisis of the month had to do with global warming. An ozone hole is opening up over the United States, we were told, the effects of which were already measurable in an increase in skin cancer. On the contrary, destroying chlorine around the polar vortex has been declining since January. A major objective of a recent shuttle mission was to determine the scope and scale of the so-called ozone hole and the silence since has been deafening from those whose livelihood depends on creating crises. Recent data from the upper atmosphere research satellites affirms that any problem is less, it's not greater. Ozone levels fluctuate all of the time, partly because of volcanic activity and solar flares. But MIT's technology review has made an exhaustive study of worldwide ocean temperatures since 1851 has concluded that there appears to have been little or no global warming over the past century. In fact, the net rise in world surface temperature during the last century, which was about 1%, almost all occurred before 1940, and that was before aerosols, and that has since been reversed. Former NASA chief Robert Jastrow and former Scripps director William Nirenberg, past president of the American Academy of Sciences, Frederick Seitz, all have concluded in a scathing rebuke of those who make money by predicting global warming, quote, if we allow ourselves to be influenced by press release, we could spend a trillion dollars over the next decade destroying what's left of the American economy in an utterly unnecessary attempt to repeal the Industrial Revolution. Paul Harvey, the greatest of all time, absolutely the greatest of all time. That's 1992. What's that, 32 years ago? Yeah, 32 years ago. No, 42 years, late, 32 years ago. Talking about back when we had the original bonus hole, the ozone, sharing truths about the con that could break the system, trillions of dollars, when he said it in 92, everybody thought, Nothing will get into the trillions of dollars. Now, here we are, 2024, right? And it's very evident they're trying to use their horse crap to de-industrialize the United States of America, take away our jobs, take away everything else. And so that's the filter I want to come to you today as we discuss this new thing on the horizon that's not so new called Disease X. I'll play the clip for you again in a moment. But they're saying it's a matter of when, not if. 
calling it a new pathogen we don't even know about yet. How do you not know about something yet? Fedros uh, Gabrasius, I, I always butcher his last name. He's the chief of the World Health Organization, and he's basically now really speeding up this disease X. He recently addressed it in Dubai at the uh, government summit. And he basically says that disease X is coming, although they've been talking about it for years. He says it may be caused by a new influenza virus or a new coronavirus, etc. What you need to know, which we might find interesting, is what you're seeing in a colored scanned uh, electron microscope. It's called the SIMS image. This is what's called the SARS-CoV-2, basically SARS-CoV-2. And this is what they speculate is disease X. Now, you have to understand disease X is a placeholder name. It was adopted by the World Health Organization in February 2018. And what they call this thing is like a, a blueprint priority disease. And they basically saying, hey, we've got a plan and be flexible for an unknown pathogen, right? And you have to understand, I understand this stuff very well because the director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases is none other than Anthony Fauci. And as you know, early 2020, I am working to develop the response plan for COVID, trying to keep it out of our borders and trying my damnedest to work with the White House, trying my damnedest to get past people at the time like Dr. Bricks and set on countless hours and hours of wasted time with our Centers for Disease Control, et cetera, because I was trying my damnedest to keep it out of our country, keep it out of our nursing homes, et cetera. But it was a total kludge. It was like none of them wanted to pay attention to reality. Because when I could present a plan and say, here's how we stop it, and I'm working uh, with all the different organizations to do it and say, we can implement this with the National Guard. Here's how it works. It basically came upon deaf ears. It's not that I couldn't have a seat at the table. I was very welcomed at the table because of my work, because of my patents and ability. So I earned my seat at the table. And as we're all trying to figure out how to triage this, it was like these rat bastards just didn't care. It was the damnedest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Because I'm, no, I'm sitting there and I'm going, look, I'm already doing all of this work based on the mobile phone. Let's get into the airports. We'll... Um, use people's mobile phones, 
we'll test them in real time. We can push it through very fast. We don't need a big lab at the airports, but what we'll find is we can isolate them instantly. We could have isolated anybody coming into the country with COVID. Anybody. We could have iso- we could have isolated it. But it was very funny sitting on all of these calls with the Center for Disease Control and lawyers and you just name it. One of these days I'll release all the meetings and tapes. It's like they didn't care. What they were doing was scrambling for money versus doing something that was just so painfully easy. Then I realized it was all a game. That there's no money in cures. In other words, if you stopped COVID in its tracks from hitting our U.S. shores, which we could have tracked it and done it, there's no money in it. Right? There's no money in it. And, of course, I pioneered in these patents doing all of these massive testing programs that you could do at the doctors, training mobile phones to do it. So basically, it means you don't have to be in the doctor's office. We now have the whole dynamic suite of this immune diagnostics that we can do on the mobile phone. Anything. We can test for anything, right? And I'm trying to talk to the government and go, what's up with you guys? Because I don't understand bureaucracy. I don't understand decisions by committee. I don't. You have a leader, you have a commander, here it is, here's what the hell we're going to do, the buck falls with the commander. I understand that. I don't understand this committee basis. Some of you are asking to rumble, can I test for stupidity? Yeah, I can. You just look at how a person writes their name on the registration file, and if it says D after it, you got it. A few leak leak over to the R's, but you understand what I'm saying. And I could not, could not, could not, could not understand it. Why our own country, the people responsible for this, Bricks and Fauci and everybody else, just wouldn't pay attention. Until I finally realized there was something bigger afoot. And so this is that d- disease X. How in the hell would they know in February of 2018, ready? February of 2018, that this particular SARS-CoV-2 would actually end up being disease X. How could they know that? What was their rationale? Now, of course, you know, the WHO has always worked on trying to understand pandemics. In fact, in two, 2015, they came out with the Research and Development Blueprint for Action in Preventing Epidemics. Yes, you do your, your best to deal with these things, right? On the top of the list is dealing with such things as Ebola or Zika, etc. If you were to look up my patents, you will find I have patents regarding Zika 
and how we can triage and test for it really fast in pregnant women, which is very important. Why? Because it's the Zika virus that uh, manipulates the child in womb. And you see these adults come out with little bitty shrunken cannibal sized heads with no common sense that that's caused by Zika. And so I, I understand this stuff. And, and of course, if you're in that field, you're always trying to work against SARS or loss of fever or Marburg virus or the Rift Valley fever or the Nipah virus, whatever it is, you already know what's out there and everybody's trying to do their best to deal with it. You're trying to do your best. That's, that's the triage of, of medicine. But I have a few problems in the middle of this because I kept on hearing stuff like this. So we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, will get attention this time. Mm -hmm. Prepare for the next one. Prepare for the next one. Now, I'm all for being prepared, 100% for being prepared. And by the way, the who is correct. History teaches us there will always be a pandemic. It's not when, it's not if, it's when. But an interesting thing about pandemics, pandemics are a very big depopulator, and pandemics, there's something that always comes after a big worldwide spread pandemic that affects certain countries. Do you know what always follows pandemics? Take a guess. Drop it in chat. Tell me what you think always follows pandemics. Socialism. Most people don't know that. Socialism. Now, it's accompanied by death and famine, yes, but socialism goes hand in hand with pandemics. Now, do you remember we're triaging, right? My work in beginning mobile testing was in, began for me in 2015. The day... Literally, the day our investors committed to the research and work we had done, and we signed our paperwork getting it done, was election night 2016. We're all in the conference room getting it all done, stayed right there in the conference room till 3.30 in the morning when they called it for Donald Trump. Right? And all this time, you know, we're talking about mobile testing. Here's, here's what should be done, et cetera. I just didn't realize, well, these governments are the problem, right? The governments are the problem. I want to take you back to 2018. See, the system had a, a, a huge issue with Donald J. Trump getting elected. Huge issue. That war still goes on today. They didn't want Donald J. Trump then. They got him out. They don't want Donald J. Trump now. Back in December, when I'm sitting with President Trump face-to-face, we're having a very long meeting, he asked me, 
then how did I win 2016? And I said, because you motivated, motivated people to activate and the cabal, the deep states could not account for that. They used past numbers, right? They're using past trends, but they could have never understood American sentiment. And you got up off the couch, you hadn't cared about voting, and you went and cast your vote for Donald Trump. And it blew the system. And so they were never, right? We, the people, overrode their algorithm. And they could have never accounted for that. So magically, for 2020, magically something happened. And what was that something happened? Well, we got this pandemic. You might not remember that a lot of this, right, is all fixed with just ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, HCQ. Do a little research. Before all this happened, you might not remember the husband and wife team that owned the patent for HCQ were mysteriously assassinated, murdered in their home. I don't still don't think they found who did it. I think it's because they were worried he'd turn on the spigot and save America, but they killed him. Most people never go back to that. So I want to take you back to something that had been in the works that who and these guys did. And then they kind of dropped on the world in 2018. Take a look at this. Let's go back in time. So how does this scenario play out? We're going to jump ahead 10 months to July 2019. We're going to jump ahead 20 months or 10 months to July 2019. Okay. July 2019. This is their pre-visualization. So how does this scenario play out? We're going to jump ahead 10 months to July 2019. 20 months into one of the worst pandemics the world's ever known, there's still no vaccine to protect people. Hard figures are impossible to come by. But the World Health Organization estimates that 150 million people have died. That's approximately 2% of the global population. For industrial countries, the death rate's a bit lower. But in many low- and middle-income countries, the death rate's much higher. As many as 30% of the seriously ill have died. In the U.S., there have been an estimated 82 million severe cases and 15 million deaths. At least 5 million Claydex deaths happened because adequate medical care wasn't available. No doubt, millions of others will have died prematurely from heart attacks, strokes, cancer, and the like. The U.S., along with the rest of the world, is in its worst economic depression in history. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 90%. The GDP, down 50%. And unemployment is running at 20%. Unemployment would be higher if not for the dramatic shrinkage of the available workforce due to death and disability. U.S. healthcare and health insurance systems, as we knew them, have collapsed. Health insurance companies ran out of capital 
and couldn't pay their bills, leaving hospitals without operating funds. In addition, most medical supplies are unavailable. Half the healthcare workforce has died, become disabled, or quit. The remaining healthcare facilities can't cope with all the patients, and consequently, death rates are soaring, both for Claydex patients and for everyone else. It was only by nationalizing the healthcare system that basic medical care is still available. The government now pays for control. I'm going to continue. But I want you to understand what you're seeing is a pre-visualization exercise they did with all health professionals. And they're naming, boom, 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 unemployment. They're hitting numbers on the bingo. Now, this is something they had prepped early in 2018 that they had been working on in 2017. They generically called the mysterious disease Clade X. That's the project name for it. But as we go back through it, you got to understand, yeah, that's right. It's pandemic foreplay. This is what they wanted to happen. It didn't quite get there because you woke up. But this is their plan. Now, I want you to pay attention because you'll hear it through the your new set of ears as I'm going to give you a moment. It's about food supply. It's about financial supply. It's about getting on the government dole. It's about nationalized health care. Pay attention. So how does this scenario play out? We're going to jump ahead 10 months to July 2019. Twenty months into one of the worst pandemics the world's ever known, there's still no vaccine to protect people. Hard figures are impossible to come by, but the World Health Organization estimates that 150 million people have died. That's approximately 2% of the global population. For industrial countries, the death rate's a bit lower, but in many low- and middle-income countries, the death rate's much higher. As many as 30% of the seriously ill have died, in the U.S., there have been an estimated 82 million severe cases and 15 million deaths. At least 5 million Claydex deaths happened because adequate medical care wasn't available. No doubt, millions of others will have died prematurely from heart attacks, strokes, cancer, and the like. The U.S., along with the rest of the world, is in its worst economic depression in history. The I know, I just, I just want to replay this beginning for you. They're basically saying people are going to start dying faster of cancer, strokes. He's talking about dying suddenly. So how does this scenario play out? We're going to jump ahead 10 months to July 2019. <music> 20 months into one of the worst pandemics the world's ever known, there's still no vaccine to protect people. Hard figures are impossible to come by, but the World Health Organization estimates that 150 million people have died. That's approximately 2% of the global population. For industrial countries, the death rate's a bit lower, but in many low- and middle-income countries, the death rate's much higher. 
as many as 30% of the seriously ill have died. In the U.S., there have been an estimated 82 million severe cases and 15 million deaths. At least 5 million Claydex deaths happened because adequate medical care wasn't available. No doubt, millions of others will have died prematurely from heart attacks, strokes, cancer, and the like. The U.S., along with the rest of the world, is in its worst economic depression in history. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 90%. The GDP, down 50%. And unemployment is running at 20%. Unemployment would be higher if not for the dramatic shrinkage of the available workforce due to death and disability. U.S. healthcare and health insurance systems, as we knew them, have collapsed. Health insurance companies ran out of capital and couldn't pay their bills, leaving hospitals without operating funds. In addition, most medical supplies are unavailable. Half the healthcare workforce has died, become disabled, or quit. The remaining healthcare facilities can't cope with all the patients, and consequently, death rates are soaring, both for Claydex patients and for everyone else. It was only by nationalizing the healthcare system that basic medical care is still available. The government now pays for, controls, and rations all medical care. The U.S. is in a constitutional crisis. The president remains in critical condition. And while the vice president is out of intensive care, he remains unable to assume his constitutional duties. Therefore, the Speaker of the House is the acting president. Continuity of government is a major concern. One third of the U.S. Congress is dead or incapacitated, as are two members of the Supreme Court and senior members of the administration. Government functioning at the federal, state, and local levels has been brought to a near halt. After the failure of the first vaccine that seemed so promising 15 months ago, along with several other candidates, we now see fresh optimism. The Omega vaccine, which has finally been shown to be safe and effective, is just starting to be deployed as fast as it can be manufactured and distributed. A third of Americans are expected to have access to the vaccine in the next six to eight months. Global vaccine distribution and dispensing, which is an enormous undertaking in the best of circumstances, has been slowed in many locations by riots and looting at vaccination sites. Infectious disease specialists seem to agree that once 80% of the people have been vaccinated, the epidemic should be brought under control with an ultimate 20 million deaths in the U.S. These same infectious disease specialists say we're lucky, lucky because the virus is similar in some ways to common para-influenza viruses, and only one dose of vaccine is needed. The situation in most of the rest of the world is much worse. Massive loss of life, economic collapse, famine, and civil unrest. There's been a mass exodus from cities adding to the spread of the disease and making vaccination programs even more difficult. The nagging question, what would have happened if we had a vaccine many months earlier? If the first vaccine had worked and started to be deployed at six months into the pandemic, the US death toll could have been reduced from an anticipated 20 million to 6 million with similar reductions in economic and societal consequences. On the other hand, what if years go by without a vaccine? Then experts tell us that we could eventually see 30 to 40 million deaths in the US and more than 900 million around the world, 12% of the global population. Eventually, once almost everyone's been exposed, the disease will either burn itself out or become endemic. 
like the dreaded childhood diseases of prior centuries. What the world will look like when it's done is still very uncertain. So that was the pandemic exercise. Now, a lot of this is being put together in 17. The numbers are being run and perfected in 18, and they drop this on you. Now, you wouldn't have seen this unless you were in the medical behind the lines, et cetera, as they're buttering the whole damn industry. But isn't it interesting how the numbers are almost dead on? Isn't it interesting? We got to get 80% vaxxed. We got to get 80% vaxxed. Even though I and partners are hammering hard on the White House to get Dr. Bricks to understand we could triage and we didn't have to deal with this COVID the way it was. It didn't have to become a plan, a pandemic. I do think it was a pandemic because I watched them be non-responsive when they could have been responsive. Now, a few things you need to understand about the industry of medical practice, even just the industry of of when you're developing patents or when you're developing uh, technology. I personally operate in a world that the vast majority of it is under radar. See, in the patent world, in the patent world, you're always subject to espionage, attacks, plants, subterfuge, you name it, because they're always trying to figure out what are you coming out with next? It's a, it is a cutthroat, kill you world. Why? Because the value is who are the thinkers that make this stuff happen? Because when it comes to patents, you have to be way out ahead of the curve. Remember, you don't develop patents after the fact. You develop patents, right? Way ahead of the fact. And I can tell you, it is really the most ugly world in the medical world because everybody's competing for that breakthrough. Now, I'm only on the intellectual property side, but there's two sides that are very hidden and clandestine. Number one, all the people that are working on medicines or whatever, you know, you're in offices with nondescript buildings, you know, nondescript building offices, no signage, no whatever. Same on the intellectual property side. I learned a long time ago that the world that was competing with me in patents was watching what I could file. Right? They're trying to find out every day, okay, what is Jovan filed next? It's a very funny story that the former legal counsel of AT&T tells. Of, they were terrified of what I had filed because I'd been working around them for years. And so I want you to understand part of what maybe drives fear. And I'm, I'm going to address a fear point here in a moment. Part of what drives fear in the medical world is because so much of it is done clandestinely. Now, clandestine does not necessarily mean nefarious. 
It just means you're protecting your inventions. You're protecting your ideas. You're protecting the work you do because everybody's out to steal it and beat you to it. It's the difference between, hey, you've got something and your company's worth a million or you've got something, you filed a patent, your company's worth 150 million. That's how that industry operates. And so it comes shrouded with a lot of mystery. I'll give you an example. I learned years and years ago that if you were to look at me professionally, if you look at any of us that really do what I do, you have code names. All of my work has code names. You never hear, if you would, you would never hear a conversation about certain patents, calling it by the right name when you're developing. It has code names because you never know who's going to get the information or how the information is going to be gotten. You're not putting up websites. You don't go, oh, here's my miracle thing at my website and I'm changed the world and whatever. And you publish it on a website. You don't do that. You know why you don't do that? You don't do that because the world is cutthroat. And so I live and operate in that patent world that decidedly remains hidden. Period decidedly remain hidden. Y'all have got me. Yes. Codename stud muffin. Look it up. Anyway. So do you understand what I'm saying? If you've developed the next breakthrough for therapies for allergies, which think about how many people in the allergy world, right? (laughs) Um, But if you've now cracked, how does that happen based on DNA profiles? You don't make that stuff discoverable. You hide it because here's how it happens. See, when you're seeing these patents, these are patents, right? When you see the patent, basically what happens is the cat's out of the bag. I'll teach you how to read a few of these things. So if you're, you're going to look at this one, right? Well, let me see one that shows it better. You're looking at this one here one of my patents. You can see it was filed October 17th of 2017. It was granted November 12th of 2019. So until this comes out, your research and everything's kind of hidden. So there you got a two, two year head start. Here's another one filed November 10th, 2018, granted December 13th, 2022. This one was filed December 4th, 2020, uh, granted January 9th, 2024. This one was filed December 21st, 2020, Granted September 12th, 2023. This one was, uh, let's see, February 4th, 2020. Granted June 2021. That's how you read these things. It's a fatal mistake in any of the research world or any of the patent world. You just don't make it where people can just go find where you're working on the next invention. You have to do that to protect it. Now, what happens is, In the public, it can make things suspicious. But I'm going to tell you about what happened. In the patent world, we used to be, we used to be, when you filed a patent, you'd have about two years minimum. We're not talking granting. You had two years before anybody could see what you had. When Obama came in, the very first thing he did, the very first thing he did is went to the patent office. And where we as inventors could file things and we would be protected for 
two years before anybody could see anything, Obama undid it all. He undid every bit of it. We'd never operated in the United States like that before. Now, here's what it means. When you file a patent and it's hidden from the whole world for about two years, which means China can't see you, right, et cetera, at all, which means China can't see you, right? Korea can't see you. All these countries that want to attack America can't see you. Well, when, when Obama came in, he undid that. So the moment we file, where for 100 plus years, everything had been secret, he made it immediately discoverable. So the moment you file as an inventor, boom, China sees everything you're doing. And China will rip you off. In fact, if you were to look at all of my uh, patents that have been licensed, and so put them all in the NPE, and it's all licensed across to all the mobile manufacturers and everything else, there's only one big mobile manufacturer that didn't, didn't license all my scanning stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute, and that's Huawei. That's the Chinese cellular, because they don't care about it. You can't fight them. They just take it and steal it and go. But what Obama did, what Obama did when he came in is he made everything discoverable. So all of us in technology had to flex. We're all going, holy smokes, the president of the United States is releasing all of our patents and technology. It was just like, holy smokes. And so what we had to do in the industry, you know, flexing decade and a half plus or more, we had to begin to cover ourselves. So you began to misname your patents. In other words, when you knew people were watching you, and I'll just use a hypothetical, if you had a specific patent that did this, you'd find another way to describe it, not using the keywords, so it'd be hidden a little bit more. And then what you'd have to do is you would have to file your patents in companies that you set up, but the company technically didn't do any business. Why? Because everybody who's trying to find what you're doing would try to go look for those companies and they wouldn't find anything. That's the only way we could protect ourselves. Right? We literally had to hide behind cloaking mechanisms that our own government, our own president, opened up our entire technology, medical, and everything world to every one of our enemies. And you, you think about people doing espionage. You think about people stealing documents and research. Or, by the way, Chinese send people over all the time. All the time. To get schooling, work as interns, and one of their requirements when they work in the medical companies, I had to deal with this myself, is they're sending back stuff to China the whole time. That is when America really got compromised. And so in my world, you know, going back to right at the end of the Bush era going in, when all of this stuff got changed, by the way, they had people feet from the patent office seeing patents, seeing all this secret stuff that my whole career is built on, 
funneling it from the patent office to Google. And we were all supposed to be protected for two years. You want to talk about a compromise of this nation. And it forced every one of us to change. Now, President Trump's administration reversed part of it because they got rid of the head of the United States Patent Office. But it still didn't change. You can see it first. So in my world, right, in my world, it all has to be clandestine because everybody's trying to watch what you do, beat you to it, and see it. And we've got something we can't reverse, that the president of the United States opened up all of our stuff to the world, which means, you know, we used to, they used to, you'd have a two-year head start, right? And they couldn't see anything. But what Obama did is the moment you filed it, the rest of the world saw it. And for many people, it destroyed businesses because what did you end up doing when you're filing your patents? You ended up training China. And then China would spend the money and go. They, they, they knew every invention that was coming down the pipe, every invention coming down the pipe before it came, unless you knew how to hide the stuff. Now, look. Yeah, even though we're talking about this stuff, what is Mystery X? Right? What's going to be this Pandemic X? You have to say, understand all of this is part of a war. And a lot of you came into contact with me of me talking in Georgia, where Georgia invited me in. It wasn't a meeting about poll pads. It was actually the sitting lawmakers go, we know we've got a problem. I knew when this article came out, when the Gateway Pundit dubbed me the man who will save America, oh my God, it was like, oh, how, how do you live up to that? And of course, that headline went viral. The video, if you saw it, went viral of me testifying but that headline went viral and it was picked up all around the world, right? Totally picked all up all around the world and all kinds of articles and stuff was written on it. But what you got to understand in the context of disease X, I'm trying to show you a lot of this crap is planned. My confidence got destroyed When I'm on the front lines trying to keep COVID-19 out of our country, when our government's just not paying attention, it's the stupidest thing in the world. But now I look back, now I look back. And I realized it was planned. It was about money. And they're willing to exterminate us if they can. If they have to exterminate 10, 20, 30 million of us, no big deal. If it gets them into control. And as you saw in that pre-visualization video, what were they pushing? 80% have to be vaccinated and only then will we be safe. All these fear numbers, unemployment through the roof, insurance is, you know, everybody's got insurance. Insurance is going to crash. They can't do anything. What were they saying? You're going to go to nationalized health care. What was Obama trying to do? Get everybody to nationalize health care. Obamacare. 
Who was the one rat bastard? Oh, imagine that in Arizona, Mr. John McCain, McCainites that made sure we got Obamacare. All a con, all a con. And now we've got this damn disease X. In some of the most secure labs in the country, scientists are already preparing for the next pandemic. It's just called disease X for now because nobody knows for sure which virus will cause it. But at its Porton-Down complex, the UK Health Security Agency is scanning the horizon for threats and starting work on vaccines just in case. What we're seeing is a rising risk globally. Now, some of that is because of things like urbanisation, where you may get uh, species jumping, so virus jumping from, as we've seen with uh, bird flu, uh, into humans. Some of it is because of climate change. So this is a growing risk agenda. Um, it, but then it's one that we can use our science actively to uh, prevent human impact. It took a little under a year to develop the COVID jab. The target for a vaccine in the next pandemic is just 100 days. Bird flu, monkeypox and other animal viruses capable of infecting humans are being closely monitored. One early success is a potential vaccine against Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. It's spread by ticks with a fatality rate of around 30%. It's found in Europe and it's moving north with climate change. That's why they're trying to get ahead and clinical trials are already underway. We've got another dead bird. Not quite sure what that is. But it is bird flu that currently tops the list of threats. Tens of thousands of seabirds have died this summer. There have been four human cases in the UK too. All worked in close contact with birds and all are well. But the National Trust, which looks after long stretches of the coast, is urging people to be cautious. I think uh, people are aware of bird flu and they're aware that there's dead birds that are being washed up. Uh, you know, we're asking people not to go anywhere near the birds and especially if they've got dogs, to keep the dogs on leads as well. The bird flu virus has mutated and spread between some mammals, but the UK Health Security Agency says the risk to humans is still thought to be low. Thomas Moore, Sky News in Pembrokeshire. Okay, so what we're talking about, and this is what I'll close with, so, so pay attention. What we're talking about is how these disease states and vaccines come about. What I'm kind of giving you a pre-warning for is they've already decided that this is disease X. There it is on the screen. SARS-CoV-2. Now, let me play a little bit of scenarios with you. First, I want to tell you how porous this field of medicine is. And, and, and many people don't think about it. I went and uh, to New York State and did a review of a facility that has to do with allergies and antigens. I've done a, tr I have a tremendous amount of patents in the allergy world. So I'm walking into this facility. I'm inspecting their labs. I'm looking at what machines they use, how do they put it off, how do they do the capping, how do they keep it sterile. I'm getting my education. Remember, when I, my particular skill as an autodidact is I'm thrown into a situation, I got to read everything that was ever published on it, then I can formulate, okay, here's what we can do. That's what I do. I have to 
learn the industries from top to bottom, and then I innovate. So I'm in this facility, and I'm looking at clean rooms. I'm looking at stamping machines. I'm looking at, uh, you know, how they put the little metal vials on the or tops on the end. It's got that little plastic nipple, you know, so the needle goes through it and everything. And so I'm literally touring the facility. As I'm walking back out the facility, I see a lot of glass jars. And we're like talking, your, you know, your big apple juice jars. You know, they're about this big, maybe two or three gallon jars that, you know, come up to a top or five gallon jars. And I'm looking on the floor. And they're all lined up on the floor. And right here is an unsecured door. And I'm asking the CEO. I go, what am I looking at here on the floor? Now, in one of those particular things, it was black mold. It was deadly mold. And of course, they're working on people that are allergic to molds, etc. Like, you probably didn't know this, but do you know what triggers most kids' asthma? What do you think triggers most kids in inner cities' asthma? Smog? Pollen? What triggers multitudes over multitudes of anything else in the world? What triggers asthma? See, I knew you would say mold, but it's not. You know what the number one trigger of asthma is? Cockroach poop. That's right. Cockroach poop. That's the actual triggerer in it. Cockroach poop. I'm talking, it's microscopy cockroach turds. Right? Now, all of these things are dangerous. Now, that's why so many inner city kids have asthma because of the situations they live in and that you have a tremendous amount of cockroach puts that troop trouble, you know, that triggers things. Now I'm walking through and I'm looking at this mold and I asked him, I said, why is this not secured? Well, they're just in transit. So as I'm doing my review of the manufacturing facility, and by the way, I want to, I want to mind you, this is one of the largest in the industries, a billion-dollar company. Now, the, the, the labs are all freaking decked out, all the greatest uh, uh, equipment in the world. But here's this line of bottles sitting on the floor. And it terrified the hell out of me. I issued a security report. I filed a briefing. And here's what my briefing was on. I filed a briefing because I realized, do you know that a rogue employee, because they actually use different workers for different things. They'd bring in workers to, you know, zip up cases or whatever. If there was, if there was any kind of thing that was broke out and they have to do a lot of test cassettes, that's what they're called, right? They would bring in day workers and stuff just to pack the stuff up. Well, I realized these day workers can go in and out of these doors. Then I realized, and this is what I based my security report on, is if any one of those day workers was to grab that jug, that bo glass bottle, and take it out that door, one, nobody would know it for days. 
Now, let's say that same worker was rogue and they went to Mall of America, Minneapolis, and they were on the highest level. And all they did was take that jar, hold it out over the edge and drop it. Thing would fall down, hit the floor and boom. What it would do is it would release the, that particular concentrated mold. It almost vaporize it. It'd be spills and stuff, but you understand what I'm saying? People in that mall would start dropping like flies. People that were highly susceptible to this was like dropping like flies. And then you'd realize that would technically be a bio attack, but you got a problem. What's the problem? It's a bio attack that would not read as a chemical agent. Because it's natural. It comes from the environment. And you always are reading test environment stuff. And so I realized, holy shit, we've got a security problem. And then I realized it only takes one rogue actor Right? Because see, if you if you had the CDC come in and they started testing, they would only find natural environmental issues. They wouldn't find chemicals. They wouldn't find modify things. So it'd be very hard to detect. And so in part of my briefing, I'm talking about when these things are unsecured. Imagine if a terrorist cell got a hold of these, and then all they did gave everybody a syringe get ready because i'm about to shit on your world gave everybody a syringe and all they did was send each one of those operatives to starbucks and all the person did in a starbucks was order a coffee that's it and then when they went over to the little stand that stands by the door where you mix up your coffee and stuff, all they do is open it. Hey, this has got to be filled with milk. You get it refilled, you hand it. And if they just injected that antigen in the milk, but they all did it at the same exact time from Starbucks coast to coast. They just picked the unanimous time during the day. You would all of a sudden have people dropping like flies across the country. See, there's many of these attacks and things in our country people don't talk about. Now, I'm sharing very transparent things with you. Because compromising our nation is something we all have to think about because the government's not going to protect you. I can even, I'll give you, an, uh, I'll give you, uh, trust me. Patriot Sean saying, you're giving psychos no. No, I'm telling you the truth, and this is already published in a security report. It's there. But our health sec sector's porous. 99% of our prescriptions come from China, who hates us. But there's so very few security measures in our prescriptions. China makes 90 plus percent of our bio test 90 plus percent 
your pregnancy test and stuff, ladies, you're getting all of that. Your cold and flu, your COVID, it's all coming from China. They can make it overread. They can make it underread. That's why you got to have testing. But nobody sits on the factory there. I can tell you how loose our system is in getting tests. We were looking for certain tests that would do certain things. We want to know who makes what. Now, I'm a big proponent. I don't want to, you know, the blood industry, and I've told you this before, the blood industry is just a massive blood industry. They want to they want to take blood from you because they can charge three grand for your blood test. When, by the way, you can do thousands of the same tests through your urine. We could just test your urine. But why don't they test it in your urine? Because the test costs us about a buck to make. But when they take it out of blood, they got to have labs and phlebotomists and all this other stuff. This is an issue. This is an issue. This is an issue we've sent too much overseas. Anyway, we're doing testing and stuff, and we're asking some of these companies about the test they have. Give us a battery of tests they have. Somewhere in the, tr in the translation, somewhere in the translation, don't know what it was, but when it arrived at our offices in Austin and we're opening the box, Right. And you're trying to find out what they can test for. One of the things being AIDS was a vial of AIDS infected blood. The crap came through the mail. Why do I tell you this? Because one of the very industries we rely on is so sloppy, is so back-ass words, and so nuts that I think all of us know we can't trust it. And, and how do they know what disease X is going to be? This is why I, yeah, it's biohazard. What Nutrita said. This is why I tell you, you've got to do everything you can do to protect yourself. More and more of this stuff is just going to keep on coming out. It's just kind of the way it is, folks. You have to understand that. More and more and more and more and more of this stuff comes out every day. And when the system gets drunk on money, Things can go wrong, but you also have to very realistically be able to decipher truth from fear porn because see, fear porn's the driver. I'll give you one that kind of affects me all the time. Part of what's going on with this disease X is Tony Blair in the UK is trying to promote what's called the new national digital infrastructure. Okay. And in the national digital infrastructure, which they're trying to get approved, they are promoting a digital, uh, digital, global digital health certificate. Okay. Now, 
I filled questions about this all the time because, as you know, 207 of my patents are what makes your mobile phone read every barcode in the world. But as you hear this and you hear about Q codes becoming the passport, I get asked this crap all the time. Oh, Jovan, it's Q codes and what you do and whatever. I want to explain a few things to you. Number one, an inventor never, uh, an inventor is one thing. Like you, if a car was wrecked, right? And it sued, you know, you got the tire manufacturers make tire. They try to distribute it all. But let me, let me kind of show you what's going on. Cause I want to, I want to calm you down, but I also want to educate you at the same time. So you understand. So what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of background of what's called scan commerce. Now, this is what I did back starting in the late nineties, but I want to explain it to you because more than likely there is going to be some sort of digital certificate that there are um, going to try to push on all of us. So this first glimpse you're looking at on my screen, if you take the technology that allows you to scan any code on your phone and read it, meaning it makes it talk back, not just a, a code be there, but makes it talk back. Those are my patents. Now, you see this scanning ability. You see it all around your world. You see it in many different ways. Like the top left one is PayPal's version of it. Uh, and then you've got Facebook's version. Hell, Burger King even has one, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Starbucks version. Uh, the bottom right with the colors, that's Microsoft's version, etc. And you've got all different kinds of barcodes on everything in the world. Okay. Now, the reason I'm sharing you with this, because people freak out, it's the mark of the beast, it's this, it's that, right? You got to, you have to put this all into perspective, please. Just put it into perspective, and I'm trying to help you understand it. So if you were to go back in time, and you were looking at barcodes or cube codes or whatever, this is the history of scan commerce, which is what I created. And so I'm going to kind of take you through it. Barcodes were officially released June 26th of 1974, okay? So they've been around forever. I was 10 years old. I was nine years old when they were released, okay? And it was at a Troy, Michigan, Troy Marsh supermarket, right? So that's barcodes. Barcodes have been around forever. Now, what people found out is you could use barcodes for a lot of different things. But see, barcodes were notoriously private. Uh, you go to a grocery store, you scan a loaf of bread, it says a buck ninety-nine, and it takes it out of their inventory. They didn't talk anywhere. Or there's a barcode on your membership card at the gym or Weight Watchers. They scan it, they know who you are. Those are all what's called, right, um, private databases. Now, when I got into this business, I understood that, wow, barcodes are probably going to end up talking to this thing called a mobile phone. Mobile phones are going to get uh, smarter to be able to do it. And so what happened during that time, and I'm going to kind of take you on the history of the barcode here, because I, I just want you to understand it. We're going to go down the left column first. 
So, and you got to remember how close we are to uh, the internet re revolution. It's just not that far away, right? So in 1974, there was the creation of barcodes. In 1992, Sprint was the first company to offer dial-up internet access. Right there in Dallas, Texas. In 1994, a company called Sumitomo, Sumitomo, uh, big investor, Sumitomo, Toyota, etc. In that year of 1994, Dinsu Wave, which is one of the operational companies, created what's called 2D barcodes. And it was used to track vehicles during the manufacturing process. Now, why is that? It's kind of like I showed you on, on ballots. If it's got nine digits, or excuse me, six digits, like in Arizona, but you got 2.5 million voters, that you need seven digits, right? To get 2.5 million, it got to have seven digits. But they only use a barcode that has six digits. That means the highest number they could go to, the single highest number they could go to, okay, is 999,999. So what happened is barcodes had a problem. They were limited. And so what happened is Dentsu Wave created what was the first unique 2D barcode. You can kind of see it there on the screen. It looks like an old barcode, right? Uh, but it has the gibberish in the middle. That is the original QR code right there, okay? And so that was back in 1994. That's the same year that Amazon started, okay? And Netscape went public. It was the big kahuna. Netscape went public in 95 at $5.4 billion. Dollars, And only at that time, now this is how close it is for you, ready? Only at that time, and by the way, uh, I'll show you one other thing. I published yesterday, let me see if I can find it. I published for you yesterday a special program, and uh, I gave you a tour of all this stuff because I was right in the middle of it. And so it's basically, I call it Jovan Unplugged. And it's when we had dial-up modems. And I talk about my second Dallas era. I'd already been in Dallas. And so you can find that over at my locals at the moment. You can hear a history of a, quite a bit of this stuff and, and, and how it came out. But what happened is it was only, you know, late 95 that not even 1% of the country had internet. Now, it's kind of ridiculous when you think about that, right? So 1996... We finally got 100,000 websites, right? It was 1997 that we got 802.11, which you know is wireless, right? But that was 97. Only 1.7% of the world's internet had a wireless standard just in 97. This is how close it is to us. This is how fast we evolve. And this was the same, same time that, uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page filed for their website called Google. And then this is also when Facebook came on the line. It's only 97. In 99, we got Windows 98. 
3.6% of the world by 99 actually had internet. Now think about that. It's 100% now. But in in 99, as we get close to 99, only 3.6% of the world had internet. DVD was first introduced and only 42.1% of the houses had computers. Now, in that same year, in, in, in 99, we got hit, right? You got the first WikiWeb, but we had this thing called uh, the Melissa virus, okay? And it, it $80 million in damages. Now it's in the billions, stuff going on. And that's when USB first flash drives were developed. About that same time, that's when Steven Spielberg and Katzenberg and David Geffen, I know them all, right? They started... Uh, all their studios. And it was actually, and this is just a fun bit of trivia, the very first people in the world to have an interactive Q code where it could read something of significance. The very first ones that could do that were Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and David Geffen. I personally, after meeting with them, delivered their business cards with their codes on the back of it. They were the very first people in the world to ever get an interactive business card where they could read my Q codes with my software CLQ on the back of their cards. I still have samples of them today. It's very funny. Now, March 11th was the dot-com crash. That was 2000. But here's something you need to understand. When you understand the dot-com crash was 2000, most people don't realize it was only 2002 when we had cameras in our phone. It was only 2009, 2009. Now think how close that is to us. 2009, only 18% of us had smartphones. Think about that. 20 people roughly out of every 100 actually had a phone in 2009 that could talk to the internet. Now, I'm giving you this because they're talking about going to a digital plan and everybody's all upset about Q codes and all this other stuff. Here's a little bit more you need to know. Uh, If you look at this barcode right here in the center, I think I can, let me see if I can scan over to it in a better way. Maybe you'll be able to read it. Let's see, where is it? Oh, hang on. Dang it. There's the 2D barcode. That was the original QR code right there. Starts, turn on, read. Here's the code. The big flat back line is turn off, close. So basically, you you have to understand how barcodes work. And this is all it meant in the past. System wake up. Here's the number of the manufacturer. Here's the number of the product code. Okay. And... Here is the check digit that confirms it. That's a barcode. But these things didn't mean anything back then. And so basically what happened in my world, what I started doing is I knew these things would translate to bigger things for us. Now, it was only in 91 when we had World Wide Web, et cetera. So I began experimenting in 94 and 95. I was able to link these things together, right? In 1994, I I put the very first URL on any national television print advertising campaign. It's the first time anybody's seen a barcode. We were just testing what would happen. And so I started developing 
internet shortcuts in 95 and begin experiencing. And here's, ah, my, dang it, sorry. That's my original code to make all this stuff work. And then, of course, by 97, we already had it down to a, a key fob that you could carry in your pocket. Remember, that's 97, 98, because, see, we didn't get smartphones until 2009. So we had to figure a way to make this talk and make everybody be able to carry it. And so I was one of the very first companies during that age outside of Netscape and others that when they were trying to go public and be a billion dollars, I was able to do it as a private company and get a a billion dollars. And we put million plus users in the first 30 days. It became the fastest adoption for peripheral. But of course, we all got caught uh, in the dot-com crash. Everybody did. Here's the dot-com crash. It kind of killed everybody. 2001, we put the company back in shutters. It was out and went back and rebought all my patents and, and in 2008 began licensing them out to you see today. Now, the reason I tell you this is a lot of people are in panic that we're going to go to what you're calling a QR code and we're going to do it. So I just want to let you know, it doesn't matter what the code is. Remember, all I did was make all the codes work like a telephone codes existed. And then we had our unique Q codes. That's where this word Q comes from and everything. But I want you to understand the reason I show you all these different platforms and I even show you all the different iterations of it. The system will always have and use codes. Does that mean anything nefarious? No. Just like I told you in Arizona that they have 2.5 million voters, but on the barcode on the ballot only ha- can go to 999,999. There's limits in the system. So there's a reason you do different things. And there's a reason why uh, companies came to me to figure this out. Because if you were to go back then in time, there were limits in the system. Everything's about limits in the system. And that's why Sumitomo, one of the most sophisticated companies in the world, you can look them up, came to me because of their Denso Wave stuff, right? Because it would, it only had a limited amount it could read. That's it. That There's the original 2D, what they call 3D barcode. We were all trying to figure out how to expand. Nobody knew how to do it. Now, why do I talk about expand? It's because we got 8 billion people in the world. And if you're going to use a code platform to monitor 8 billion people, you know how many digits you have to have, but then think about how many other things in your life are tracked. Everything, everything. And so all I did was open up the world to more massive codes and then basically make them work as a phone number. That was the software CRQ and Q code. Now, to say, oh, they're going to track us and you did it and you made it happen or whatever, you have to understand technology always marches on. It's like saying Firestone and Bridgestone, when they invented their tires, are responsible for card wrecks. Right? But that was the world then. Now, I have all these patents on these things about how you track and count. But in my world, I'm not tracked and counted because it's a personal option. And I believe it should be personal. I do not believe what Google has done to track us all. But that's also why 
I take the time to teach you from the inside, here is how you disconnect yourself from the system. Because the reality is you have to disconnect yourself from the system. It's that simple. The digital world is here. The digital world is here. Whether you like it or not, you cannot stop that. There's, there's nothing I can stop in making barcodes not read like telephone codes anymore. It's done. It's just like Elon says. He would pull back some of the patents he sold because of how they're using now, but you just can't do that. It's not the way it works, right? When your patents are sold, they are out of your control. But you also can't say, oh, it's evil. You caused car wrecks because you invented the tire. No, not at all. So I want to let you know, everything around us is planned. And when you realize it's planned, you've got to remove yourself as best you can from the system. Let me remind you what precipitated this discussion. The painful lessons we learned are in danger of being forgotten as attention turns to many other crises confronting our world. But if we fail to learn those lessons, we will pay dearly next time. And there will be a next time. History teaches us that the next pandemic is a matter of when, not if. It may be caused by an influenza virus or a new coronavirus, or it may be caused by a new pathogen we don't even know about yet, or what we call disease X. There has been a lot of attention on disease X, especially recently. But in fact, it's not a new thing. We first used the term disease X in 2018. It was just the same time I spoke here in this government site uh, summit in 2018. And we used disease X as a placeholder for a disease we don't even know about yet. They used it as a placeholder. You have to understand, we all have the same play playbook. These guys want to control us. It's that simple. I have always told you the path to freedom is yourself. You have to understand you are the army you've been waiting on. You are the plan you've been waiting on. You're it. You are it, whether you like it or not. Lawmakers aren't going to save you. Somebody may say I'm the man who's going to save America, the gateway pundit. They coined that, not me. I'm not. You're going to save you. You are going to save you. You are going to save you. If you want out of this system, I'm asking you, please check out setmefreeplease.com. Setmefreeplease.com. That's why I did that. I can be a product of the system. I was a lone conservative in a very tech liberal world. But I, I too, like you, I'm concerned with this, very concerned with this stuff. Let me just remind you a little bit. This was their stuff they were doing in 2017. Listen to this. So how does this scenario play out? We're going to jump ahead 10 months to July 2019.
20 months into one of the worst pandemics the world's ever known, there's still no vaccine to protect people. Hard figures are impossible to come by, but the World Health Organization estimates that 150 million people have died. That's approximately 2% of the global population. For industrial countries, the death rate's a bit lower, but in many low and middle income countries, the death rate's much higher. As many as 30% of the seriously ill have died. In the US, there have been an estimated 82 million severe cases and 15 million deaths. At least 5 million Cladex deaths happened because adequate medical care wasn't available. No doubt, millions of others will have died prematurely from heart attacks, strokes, cancer, and the like. The US, along with the rest of the world, is in its worst economic depression in history. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 90%, the GDP down 50%, and unemployment is running at 20%. Unemployment would be higher if not for the dramatic shrinkage of the available workforce due to death and disability. U.S. healthcare and health insurance systems, as we knew them, have collapsed. Health insurance companies ran out of capital and couldn't pay their bills, leaving hospitals without operating funds. In addition, most medical supplies are unavailable. Half the healthcare workforce has died, become disabled, or quit. The remaining healthcare facilities can't cope with all the patients, and consequently, death rates are soaring, both for Claydex patients and for everyone else. It was only by nationalizing the healthcare system that basic medical care is still available. The government now pays for, controls, and rations all medical. This is what's called a pre-visualization, folks. That's a 2017 project they debuted in 2018. The way I look at it from God, there's an agreement between angels and demons. The demons must announce their plans. And if you, the human, they're trying to control, if you don't act... If you don't respond, then you have given approval to the demons to do it to you. And that's the way it works. I'm just telling you this. You don't have to believe in angel and demons and spiritual warfare. I'm on the other side. My side is very simple. I've always told you my job is to make you the smartest patriot in the room. I, too, cannot make you do anything. But see, it's my job to let you know you are the secret. If you don't want to be controlled by them, you must act. If you don't want to be subject to them, you must act. You've got to understand that. That's the law. That's the law of God. Some people are put here to destroy. You can listen to it every day, attacking President Trump. The people that are put here to destroy nonstop attack President Trump. The people that are put here to destroy that they've assigned to me are here to destroy your relationship with me because the system cannot afford for you to wake up. They cannot afford for you to become the smartest person in the room. So what does the system do? The system attacks me.
people are shallow. There are people that tell you, oh, Javon's J doesn't have any patents. And I laugh at it and go, okay, who paid the millions and millions for these? And by the way, if I kept on clicking through them and I could click, uh, you know, one a second, we'd be here well over an hour. But see, people don't do their homework. And you have to understand all of this is about control. The only way I can save America, even if I had a hand in it, is it's you. See, you save America. That's that's just as simple as it is. When you wake up and you set yourself free, just like the Matrix, baby, you want the red pill or blue pill? That's the best I can do is show you what it is, show you the door. I cannot make you walk through the door. But you have to understand your mind's being battled for. The system wants to control your mind. That's what the GOP folks, that's what the Dems, they want to control your mind. You have to decide where you're going to come down on this. And by the way, they'll always use deception and pretty people and nice words. They'll even use Christianity to drive you away from the truth because you think you're being a bad Christian if you listen to somebody who cusses. That's how it works. All I want for you is to make you the smartest patriot in the room, and I want you to set yourself free. The way you stop it is by you getting activated. And when you find out how to get yourself out of the system and enough people wake up because they're getting themselves out of the system, that's when the system comes down. It's not a lawmaker. It's not even technically writing a law. It's whether you wake up. And when you wake up, and you start to make the moves to get out of the system and set yourself free, it has kind of this cascading effect. And eventually, just like anything else, like anything else, it begins to take over. If you've got crushing debt, well, then you should uh, talk to me, right, and crushing debt, because one of the things in Set Me Free, Please, is to help you get out of debt. You've got to have a way to do it. You've got to set yourself free from the system because it's all has us in servitude. So I want you to understand how this fight is fought. And I've always told you, and I'm just going to be, you know, by the way, folks, you want to share, you want to help your fellow mankind? Why don't you share this program? Why don't you hit that thumbs up? Because I'm telling you right now, the system is going to use everything they can against you. Just like they tell you with President Trump, oh, he pissed on Russian hookers and don't hookers and don't do that. You have to understand this is a good and evil thing. But when that evil comes in, pushing you away, oh, don't just, it, it will, will tell you lies you buy into, you're going to get trapped in this system. You're going to get trapped on the system and they want you to become dependent upon the government. I'm only telling you from my experience being on the inside, seeing all this, my experience even developing. I wouldn't change anything about me because I know my head's on straight. I know where I stand with God and I know how to get myself out of the system. But we all have the same tools. We all have the same tools. It's whether 
you decide to do something about it. That's it. When you decide to do something about it and you take a proactive step, it is set me free, please.com. Set me free, please.com. It's easy. Set me free, please.com. You can see it in the chat and everything else. When, if you want to be set free, ask for it. Set me free, please.com. If you want to be set free, you have to take the steps because nobody is going to do it for you. Only you. And when you learn that, the first thing you learn when you take steps is you start to get your freedom back. You start to feel better about yourself. You realize you're doing something to protect your family and you're making a positive move. And you know what happens? Your fear level starts to go down. But if you just sit there and watch other people bitch and moan or try to tell you, yeah, he's bad, he's this, he's whatever, he's this, and you don't have your package, he's like fraud. That's to peel you away. Why? Because if they can peel you away, you stay up here in fear. My job's to bring down that fear mode because that's what the devil wants to incapacitate you with fear and bring you to a state of calm. And the first calm you can do and the most important calm you can do is to set yourself free. Don't let these rat masters do it to you. I love you all. I'll see you over at Locals next. Share this program. It's a very important program for people to see, to understand how all this works. Just don't let your fear run wild. Work, do it yourself, participate, and we'll all win this together. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program. It's a movement, the right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority. And we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Bon Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week. And between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. 260 million of you shop here weekly. And did you know you spend about $1,400 each year? Two and a half million of you shop here daily and you give them $1,000 each year. Combined, that's a half a trillion dollars annually. And you think it's the American way to shop? Think again. Your hard-earned money is being funneled to bad organizations. The consumable products you buy, well, they're washing America down the drain. Think about where you spend your money. Folks, we have to save America from socialism. We need to make the woke go broke. First things first, and that's America first. You need to follow the money. You need to follow your money and make the woke go broke. So I will show you how to save America from socialism. Go to makewokegobroke.click. Yes, dot click. Makewokegobroke.click. Makewokegobroke.click and do it now. Jovan Hutton.